Today on Locked On Red Wings, we discuss the goaltending situation and should Detroit run with Vili Huso for as long as they can, and also reasons to have hope and reasons to despair in this nine-game season the Red Wings have played thus far. You're Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Red Wings podcast. We are your hosts, Brian Fisher and Scotty Bentley. I am a podcast producer for the Daily J, WWJ News Radio podcast. While Scotty is a freelance journalist for the Detroit News, as well as the host of Locked On Tigers And today we kind of want to expand on the conversation that we had yesterday regarding that horrible, horrible loss uh, to the uh, Buffalo Sabres. And I asked the people, man, because it was the Red Wings have two off days. I asked people what they wanted to hear us talk about. And the overwhelming response was goaltending and prospects. Now, prospects, because there's two off days. Scotty, I think we should save for tomorrow's episode and couple that with the preview of the Washington Capitals game on Thursday. But We will talk about goaltending in this game because, like I said, it is pertinent considering what just happened and just how goaltending has played so far this season. Yeah, it's it's been uh, something that we've talked about a lot. And I think that one of the reasons why it is such a big conversation within the fan base right now is because, well, I I guess there's a lot of reasons that we can just kind of get right into. First and foremost, we were told and we told y'all that that this was one of the better goalie situations Tandem. the Red Wings have had in years, right? Like we I mean we were pretty pretty at the forefront of that movement and of that belief of like this is one of the best goalie situations the Detroit Red Wings have had in a long time and it's early we're what 9 10 games into the season Stuff can change. People can can improve. People can slide off, whatever. But as it stands right now, Ned has been in net for a lot of blowouts. And so I, I think when we start the conversation of well, you know, what this goalie situation has done so far this season, how these goalies have, have played so far, I think it's important to start with the fact that this was supposed to be not only one of the better goalie situations the Red Wings have had in a long time, but I mean, we were talking about where this stood up with goalie tandems in the National Hockey League. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we thought obviously Nadelkovich had a down year by his standards after coming off a uh, Calder final season last uh, two years ago now with the Carolina Hurricanes before being dealt with the Detroit to the Detroit Red Wings for a third round pick and the rights to um, Bernier. But we, we talked about it then and we talked about what were, was Carolina thinking and the two trains of thought is either they are just stupid or they think that his performance, much like Peter Morazic's and Jack Campbell's in their tenures with, or not Jack Campbell's, but uh, Frederick Anderson's tenure with the Carolina hurricanes is that they were a product of the system around them. And that's, they saw that they saw the flaws of the Delgovich and that's why they traded him. And I don't think Nadelkovich is a bad goaltender, but he has he struggled a little bit last year. Still managed to post a over 900 save percentage with that team in front of him, which I think he deserves some props for. But 
he coming into this year, the expectations were higher because on paper, the defense was better. And I think the defense has been better, you know, Monday's game, you know, uh, excluded from that yeah. bunch. Um, but not a lot better. It, it's still been very bad. It's, I think it's still been one of the worst defensive cores early in the season here. Um, with the exception of like Olimata playing out of his mind for God, whatever reason got into him. But, you know, he's definitely so far early in the season taking a step back, and we saw it during the preseason. You know, he was letting in early goals on weak shots, and then that carried over into the season. We saw several early goals on weak shots. The game against Buffalo was the opposite. I thought he stood on his head and got shelled because his, the team around him didn't play, and then eventually he broke and stopped trying, which is still unacceptable. So he still shares a bulk of the blame in that game against the Sabres, and we talked about that on Monday's episode. If you want to hear us talk about that, go back there. We're not going to rehash that. The point being is with this considered, Alex Nedeljkovic having a save percentage right now of 8.71. Do you give Vili Husso, who has a save percentage of 9.27, and remember, he has a 5-1 to one loss to the Boston Bruins mixed in there, and he still has a save percentage of 9.27. Do you give Vili Husso the net going forward until he either just crumbles or you think that Alex Nedeljkovic just needs another shot? No, I mean no. As far as I'm concerned, this is Vili Husso's net. I don't, I don't think that's really even much of a, a a deep dive like conversation needed. I think that it is, and I think that it should be. And, and I, I think going forward, you're looking at a situation where Husso is. I still want to call it a 1A, 1B. I don't think I'm quite ready to just be like, oh, you know, again, we're, we're still 9, 10 games in. It's not like Ned is just not going to play for the next five games or whatever. But I think we're certainly at a 1A, 1B situation already. I absolutely do think, though. And, that, and that's a change of pace to, you know, three weeks ago when the season started, when we were talking about this being a dang near 50-50, perfectly even split and debating on who was going to get the net opening night. So it's certainly already in the direction where I think, yeah, Huso is absolutely the 1A to Ned's 1B, 100%. I don't even think that that's really much of a conversation at this point. And as the season goes on, you get to a point where a few more factors in here, like one, there is a reason that we kind of, saw the Red Wings front office go out and get a lot of depth goalies. I'm not saying that we're even close to having a conversation of like, oh, like Ned shouldn't be on the roster or anything. That Because that that's way jumping the gun. That's not even remotely where we're at now. But when it comes to injuries and when it comes to how quickly goalies can either dramatically improve or dramatically fall off, we see it all the time. There's probably one of the most unpredictable positions in all of sports. There's a reason that the Red Wings went out and, and, and got a lot deeper, at least, at the goalie position. Yeah, absolutely. And because Steve Eisman must have seen it. I mean, we were defending Nadelkovich. And it's I'm still not trying early. to. Again, yeah, it's can, still early. Nine games around, season. But, but yeah. last season, coupled with the slow start to this season, you're starting to understand why Eisman went out there and made another trade for a goaltender in Vili Huso. Right. I mean, you do have right. Sebastian Coast to come in. Definitely. Like, you could have just signed an Eric Comrie, for existence, for example, a guy I was preaching about who played against the uh, Detroit Wings in the Buffalo Sabres game. I mean, that was a guy who you could do as a Band-Aid backup, and they didn't go with him. Instead, they went and traded a pick for Vili Husso because they must have seen something. And I'm not writing off Alex Nadalkovich completely. 
I'm not going to sit here and be like, ah, oh, he's a bum, you know, because I still think the potential is there, but he very clearly is in a funk right now. And it's the team around him is definitely not helping. Um, but it, it's, you can't even use that as the only excuse. So like you can't use the Alex and isn't helped out by his team as an excuse because Huso has the same team in front of him and yeah. he plays fine. He's had a couple, he's had one bad game, but other than that, he's played really fine. And then you look at the advanced stats, you'll get goals save above expected out of 66 goaltenders that are qualified on evolving hockey. He is 66th in goals saved above expected at negative oh. 7.45. Now, granted that Sabres game is going to have a huge impact in that. But like I said, he quit trying and like, I can't necessarily like you never quit trying, but I also understand like the, why am I not pulled? mentality when your team's getting absolutely shelled but the worst goalie of 66 qualified goaltenders on evolving hockey meanwhile Billy Huso was in the top 15 for goal save above expected expected with the same team in front of him at 2.84 so he has saved almost three goals more than or more than expected this season with his play with the same team in front of him I mean you could very much make the argument that Billy Huso has made the team better. I mean, that's not even an argument. That's just statistically a fact. Objectively has, yeah. And then the question becomes, Scotty, is this also a case of the team having more confidence in a certain goalie over the other one? And we'll talk about that as soon as I get done talking to you guys today about Bilt Bar. Can we pause the pod for a second? Okay, we're paused. Great, because you got to try this. I'm talking about Built Bar's new reimagined flavors. They got cookie dough topper, coconut brownie bar, coconut brownie topper. They also got white chocolate peppermint granola. It's Built's take on the granola bar, so it's more filling and still insanely tasty. And they got candy cane brownie puff. Built puffs are like biting into the universe's most delicious cloud. First off, for anyone who hasn't tried Built Bars before, they're literally the best tasting protein bar ever built, which is clever because they're called Built Bars. Clever writing right there. But Built uh, Cookie Dough Chunk Puff is my favorite, absolutely. And I'll tell you guys this time and time again. They're all good. But when they sent us that box of Cookie Dough Chunk Puffs to, to buy, so that you, Unreal, you, you guys know we weren't BSing you, Unreal. or to try, not buy, that they, they were astounding. So delicious. Built. You got to try this. Get 15% <laughs> off your order right now by using code LOCKDOWN15 at built.com. Segment two, Locked On Red Wings podcast. Um, we are talking about the goaltending situation. Are we? We are talking about the goaltending situation, Scotty. And I had asked you before the break is whether or not the team plays better with a certain goaltender in front of them and if you feel like, or behind them rather, and if you feel like there's merit to that. If you think that maybe... It's partly confidence in Huso over Nedeljkovic. Yeah, I'm sure that it's it's somewhat a thing. Like, I'm sure that that's not completely null and not just a completely moot point. But, like, at the same time, these are professionals in the best in the world, and, and they're all very competitive. They're, they're going to go out there and, and, and try very hard all the time. Like, I don't know. It's, it's not... I don't think it's that black and white. I don't think it's like, oh, yeah, like the, the team is just significantly better with Huso and Ned than Ned. But um, because, again, it, we, we talk about the forward defense and we talked about it a lot yesterday and how much it struggled. And, and we talk about just how poor the defense is. But it's not like Huso has has every time he's gone out there, he's only faced like 18 shots or something. Like, it's not like 
every time he goes out there, the defense is just phenomenal. And then when Ned goes out there, the defense sucks. Like it's not, it's not quite that cut and dry. Uh, and on the offensive side of the puck, honestly has not really been an issue yet this season. And like, well, I'm sure we'll talk about that and, and get into, you know, like the nitty gritty of, of all that, but like the offense for all of the lumps that this team has taken, the offense has been pretty consistently solid, at least for the majority of the season. Like they're, they're putting up legitimate goal totals almost night in and night out. It's just like three looks a lot different on a score sheet when you give up eight than when you <laughs> give up one. So like Even that's five. Yeah. Right. Like that, that's just what it really comes back to. And, and, so, no, I, I don't subscribe to like, oh, this is a completely different team when Huso's out there versus Ned. But in the same breath, I'm sure that there is a, a – I'm sure it's undeniable, I think, that a little bit probably is maybe in the back of their heads. Like, oh, you know, maybe this is going to be a better night. But, no, I, I think that they go out there and they, they, they give their best effort night in and night out. They're professionals. No, they – I mean – I, I don't subscribe to it either because if you look at the shot totals that Billy Huso has faced in his five games so far, the Detroit Red Wings, he faced 29, 36, 33, 33, 31 total shots in each of those games. And he's had to make 30 saves, 28 saves, 32 saves, 31 saves, and 29 saves. One of them being a shutout, obviously, of the Montreal Canadiens in game one of the season. So, I mean, he's faced a healthy number of shots every, like 30 shots against. And it's they like no fewer. He hasn't faced any fewer than 29 shots in a single game. Yeah. That's the lightest workload he's had. And he's put up good numbers. So I, if the team is truly playing with more confidence in front of him, he wouldn't be get, facing that many shots. That's just not factual. He's just performing better against those shots. You look or at the shots. His defense when playing confident is still not very good, which is a whole different conversation, I guess, if but that's reality. But in Nedeljkovic's defense, in the four games he's played, he has faced 39 shots. 29 shots, 35 shots, 38 shots. So despite the game, the overtime loss to the Chicago Blackhawks, every game he's faced played, he's faced more shots than Huso. Right. So not by a beside, but two and two of those games were 40 plus shot games. So I don't subscribe to the idea that the team just plays better in front of him because like you're you're still facing 30 plus shots a night no matter who's in net. But I I do think that given I do think that Huso's just playing better. In that, in general, I mean, I go back to that as goal save above expected. And you know what? You throw that number out. Don't even look at those advanced metrics for this. Look at the eye test. We're watching it. And Huso is just fundamentally sounder. You know, he's like, he doesn't scramble as much as Nadelkovich has to from side to side. His positioning is just more firm. So I think that there, there is something to be said about how Huso's playing with more confidence so far early in the season. And I think that. I mean, we're, we're having this 15-minute conversation now, and the answer we already stated at the start is, like, you just roll with Huso now because he's playing better. Yeah, for sure. And, and just really quickly to the point you just made, that was something we talked about a lot with Ned last season, is, like, Ned is an aggressive goalie, and it's going to look really cool sometimes, and it's probably going to burn you sometimes. But uh, especially last season, we pointed it out often, how aggressive he was in that and, and how much he would overbite sometimes. And, and even on like pokes and stuff and, and just like leaving the net, like there, there was, he, he had some really, really overly aggressive moments. And I think that's just how he goaltends. And, and so we'll see if he can develop into something that kind of tames that. Cause that's not 
a negative all the time. But in the same breath, it, it's clearly something that when either extinguished or when just e- even on the other ex- extreme, like when he's too aggressive, it, it's clearly harming his production at the same time. So I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. But I, I think, again, just to put a bow on it, like you said, Yes, this is this is Huso's net, I think, until proven otherwise. Now, at what point do you start looking for a different backup op- option? I think we're a long ways away from that. I don't think that that's a conversation you're even having really in the month of November. Like, unless yeah. he's giving up eight goals a game. Like, that's, that's not going to be a conversation that happens for a while. Uh, again, we're, we're still so early on in the season, what, nine, ten games. Um uh, which means each of these dudes is, is what four five games in that like the, the, this we're just not nearly far enough into the season to just completely write off a young goaltender in his mid-20s but um I, I think that that will yeah that that's a whole different rabbit hole that I think we're a far ways away from but for right now yeah I, I think it's who sows net until proven otherwise I mean that's just unfortunately for Nadelkovic, that's where it stands. But I'm I want the I want the better goalie net. So that's the end of the conversation right. there, guys. I mean we we are in agreement that right now Vili Huso has got to be your at least your one A going forward. You got to give him the bulk of the starts until he proves otherwise. But because he's had a great start to the season, the other goalie has not. Um, and so that kind of leads us into your reasons to have hope and reasons to despair conversation that we we want to talk about. And one of those reasons to have hope is Vili Huso. One of the reasons to despair right now is Nedeljkovic. And, you know, there are a lot more guys to talk about in regards to that. And not even just guys, but like statistics in general. And we'll talk about that on the other side of uh, this break as we head into segment three. Segment three, Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Um, Let's talk about reasons I have hope for this team. You know, we were very emotional yesterday, very raw. And today we're more level-headed. We talked about that. We were like, we're going to come in tomorrow and we'll be more level-headed. Here we are. So, yeah, they had a really, really bad loss, unacceptable loss, and it's never going to be yeah, I'm still pretty upset, to yeah. be real with you. <laughs> <laughs> but it hasn't been all bad. There has been some improvements, and one of the improvements that we've seen, the number one hope that the Red Wings have had, let's, let's, let's go every other, right? The number one hope, the reason I have hope right now is your power play, while not necessarily converting on everything, I believe your power play is ranked 22nd in conversion rate right now in the league. You are second in the league on the power play at expected goals for percentage, which means you are having the second most quality shot attempts on the power play next to only the Colorado Avalanche. And we've talked about this, Scotty, and it's nice to see the numbers back it up. When you're watching the Red Wings power play, for the most part, there have been a couple of power play duds here and there. Like you look at the game against Minnesota, the first power play they had, they didn't give a shot on net. Well, then later, Lucas Raymond scored on the power play. So there have been a couple duds, but overall, when they successfully set up in that zone, they're getting rippers they're getting great shot opportunities from key points on the ice like along the wing the bumpers have been playing phenomenal larkin's been a great bumper for the detroit Wings so far early in the season peron and kubalik on opposite circles have been unleashing cannons i've liked what i've seen about from heronic on the uh at creating opportunities not necessarily hitting the net for god's sakes but the power play is the second in the league at creating scoring opportunities and that is something to be hopeful for because that is something the Red Wings were horrible at last year was they couldn't get any offense going on the power play and so as time goes on we're going to see more conversion and we talk Scotty about and I kind of disagree with you a little bit what you said earlier about the offense has been really good putting up legitimate numbers 
they've been putting up a legitimate numbers in some games because of, I feel the power plays generating more offense recently. Their five on five play has really fallen off, but, um, and that's, I mean, that's one of the reasons to, to despair, but you know, before we get to that, why don't you chime in? What do you think about the power play so far, man? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's certainly looked a lot better than last season. I, I, I think my only slight, not pushback even, but just like, devil's advocate thing would would just be you know i I think in my mind that's like stages of development like yes you're getting good opportunities and and you have been getting good yeah good opportunities and and good quality scoring chances but I, i think there is a stage in development where you go from that to then putting the puck in the back of the net we've seen a plethora of players over the years that get in good opportunities and and create good chances and then aren't able to finish like finishing is inherently like part of development and part of everything. So like that's, and I'm not trying to say that this is a bad thing. It's certainly a great thing that, that we are getting opportunities, but I, I don't think it's as, as cut and dry as, Oh, they're getting good opportunities. So eventually like that will just automatically even itself out. I think that that's something that, that comes with development. So that that's a that's a great sign and that's certainly a lot better than last season and we've seen a couple of games where they've really had great opportunities but I, I also think that that's that's a, a still work to be done area more so than just like oh this will figure it itself out type of thing. And I'm not saying that's what you were saying but um I, I think that there's still some some room to grow there I guess is my point. Um yeah and and you know, we, I mean, we've talked about the special teams really in general and the penalty kill on the flip side got off to a really hot start and then has kind of Boston. slowed up the last few games and really everything has. I mean, again, when you get blown out for three or four games, that's going to inherently happen. But, uh, but, but yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. And, and I, I think that with the offense, I mean, again, like they're still putting up like decent goal numbers with what the 25th you said ranked power play 22nd, I believe. Let me double check. So like that, that, that's still a, you know, a bottom 10 power play unit and the goal totals, at least just on a pure goal total, only looking at goal, how many goals they've scored each game has not been catastrophic. It hasn't, it hasn't been that bad. And like I said, it's been, it's been pretty solid throughout the season. Uh, five on five play though is definitely something that will need to improve undoubtedly. I'm not, yeah, I'm I'm definitely not trying to argue that that that's better than uh, what what numbers would indicate because that's certainly something that uh, I mean, really the whole like sense game like three or four to be honest with you has been like kind of a noticeable thing like even. The first New Jersey game, I think, was the first time that we kind of looked around. And we were like, we got outplayed five on five, but like took home a win. <laughs> exactly. And like, that's great. But like, that's uh, probably not too something that you're just going to be able to bank on happening night in and night out. Um, and yeah, Lalone has brought it up. He's made comments about that. Like, that's something that that absolutely has to improve. And I think a lot of it, because again, they have proven that they can put up goals and, and score two, three goals a night so far this season but i think a lot of the improvement on five and five will come from improved forward defense than anything else because that will not only was that just we need better defense because this defense has been atrocious 
But offensively, I think that will lead to even more shots and more, you know, plays on the rush, more breakaways, et cetera. At five on five, they are brutal, man. They're they're one of the worst teams that expected goals for percentage. In fact, I think I, I sent it to you in a text exactly what it was. They're 25th in the league, 25th, expected goals yeah. for percentage at five on five. And that was something Lalone spoke about. You see it in every single game. It, it seems as if, except with the exception of the Montreal Canadiens game and about half of the Boston Bruins game, the team gets heavily outplayed at five on five play. And I mean, that's you obviously, you know, your power plays and your penalty kills are going to be your make or break it, but you have got to play good at five on five as well. Cause you're going to play the bulk of the game at five on five. And if you're getting dominated at that role, then you're not going to win any games. So that's something to be very nerve. Not again, nine games. Like I'm not trying to get overly excited or overly despairing. No, we about have what any, we have, but this is the data the we have so far. Have and these are, down. These are things that we have continuously seen as problems. And we've talked about it. The five on five plays awful. Yeah. And uh, one of the points that we keep bringing up over this stretch of just brutal blowout losses has been the fact that like specifically within the five on five play is that the puck is in our zone all the time. The, the entirety of what it seems like is when it's five on five, it seems like the puck is in our zone for all of it. And I, I think that that's a, a big cause for concern and a big thing that we have to highlight because that has been, in my opinion, probably the biggest factor for what has transpired over the last four games is just the puck is always in our zone. And we do take advantage of scoring opportunities when they're good, you know, high danger opportunities, but they're, they seem to all be like quick, like on the break or, or on the rush, on yeah. the rush. And I would just really like to see the puck in the opponent's zone for like, like a minute and a half. Like, give me like, give me like something, like give me some sustained, like, Oh, we get a few shots off in one possession or one zone entry. Like it, it just, it hasn't been there lately. And honestly, it's not even a, only the last four games thing. Again, we already talked about it. That that's something that even in a few of our wins and a few of our overtime losses early on, something that we got outplayed in pretty badly and we're just able to salvage it at the very end of the game or come up with clutch moments to kind of prevent that from being a huge, huge issue. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You look at it and they just, it's been a constant problem for the team night in and night out. Um, thankfully, you know, on, on penalty kill wise, you know, I go expected goals for percentage. They are fifth in the league. They have 18. There is just 18.13, which, you know, oh my God, that's horrible. But on the penalty kill, obviously you're going to get heavily outplayed. What that means is their opponent only has about 82% expected goals for percentage on the right. penalty kill. So that's really the, the inverse of that number is what you want to focus on. So they're the fifth best at preventing quality scoring chances on the penalty kill. So, I mean, that's been something to be hopeful of, even though it's slid a little bit. They're 14th overall. Uh, in the league, but that's still a good number. We talked about a lot about Scotty that special teams. You want to be somewhere in the middle. You want to be somewhere between ten and twenty this year for uh, to be to have an improvement that we are impressed by. Penalty kill still flirting in that area. Power play needs to pick it up a little bit more. They're getting the opportunities. They just need to convert. Five on five is an awful. Another thing to be hopeful for this uh, Red Wings team is Dylan Larkin. It still looks great. I mean, he's got eleven points in nine games. He scored a short shorty uh, the game against Buffalo, 
but you know, he had core muscle surgery and we saw it with obviously a different sport, but look how long it took Justin Verlander to get back to being Justin Verlander after he had core muscle surgery. I mean, that messes you up because your core is your entire athletic body. Like you can't yeah, do anything. You without don't realize core. how much you use your like core and back are like the two that yeah. you don't realize how much you use them until you hurt them. Like that's certainly a thing. And he's come back and he's, he's starting hot similarly to last season as well. So he's over a point per game, despite how bad the team's been. So, I mean, he's been something to be hopeful for. I think the new acquisitions have been hopeful for, but you know, defense has been something to be really worried about like the defensive side of the game, not the defense themselves. No, of course for they sure. could be better, but the defensive side of the game as a team. So it's, it's not all doom and gloom. The team, again, and this is the biggest thing, Scotty, the biggest thing to be hopeful for or to be thankful for or to not despair over whatever you want to rationalize this is, yeah, you're sitting right now sixth in the division. But guess what? You're tied sixth in the division with like five teams. There is not a single freaking team in the Atlantic division that is under 500 right now in points percentage. Yeah. The Red Wings are a hair over 500 points percentage because of two overtime losses and obviously one more regulation win than uh, overtime regulation loss. They're four, three, and two. The Buffalo Sabres are second in the division with 12 points. Everyone right. else except for the Ottawa Senators are at 10 points. And then you have the Boston Bruins all the way at the top with like 16 because they have only lost one game. So, I mean, this could be something to despair over how competitive the Atlantic division is, but you're still very much in the mix. So yeah, you lost eight to th eight it's, to three. Yeah, it's very early. But if this is a one-off thing and not a trend, if it's not a trend but right. a, a a outlier, as you would say, then let's not overreact. It's still early in the season, so we were hot about it last night. But there's still a lot of games to be left to be played. They could improve it. And again, we talked about it last night as well. It's a very young team, new system, new regime. It's going to take a while for them to figure it all out. So let's, you know, not end the season quite yet. Now, if there's five or six more of these down the road here in the next, you know, 30 games, then I'm really going to be worried. 20 games, I'd be really worried because you can't get blown out like that that consistently. You should only give up. Like, if you're going to have blots, it should be like once, maybe twice a year. Yeah. That's the max. The Red Wings last year had like seven or eight. Well, I mean, the Red Wings last year had <laughs> seven or eight a month. It felt like, yeah, the second so, half of last season was brutal. And, and again, you can't, you just can't have that happen again. You can't, you can't go back to, okay, we're, you know, we're going to give up six to eight every single night. Like we did post all-star break last season. Um, and again, it like, I mean, we we've reiterated a million times. We don't have to keep going down the rabbit hole, but uh, I, I mean, this is, this is something that you need to stop and respond to and turn around. And if that's what you end up doing, then great. And we'll look back at it and be like, Hey, remember when we were super stressed and like, yeah. look, we ended up having <laughs> right. a pretty decent year, but th there's while you're in it, it seems bleak. Sure. So, I mean, that's going to do it for me guys. I mean, that's, that's, there's reasons to be hopeful for there's things to look forward to things to be happy about with this team, but you know, through nine games, there's also been some cracks that need to that have shown and some things that need to be improved on. Again, this isn't a team that Scotty or I think is going to make the playoffs this year in all reality, but this is a team that we Never expect was. things of now this year and expect to take a step forward. So, so there's going to be growing pains. So that's, that's, Nights like last night happened, but they can't happen a lot. That's that's really the final line. Agreed. So, uh, any final thoughts, man? Um, I don't think so. We cool. ball. We ball. Thanks for making Lockdown Red Wings your first listen every single day. Now make your second listen 
uh, Locked On Sports today. The biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. Scotty and I will be back with you guys tomorrow. We'll probably talk a little bit about how pro- pod, not podcasts, prospects are doing. That'd be crazy. Um, we just did a podcast breakdown. <laughs> we're going to break down all of our colleagues and explain uh, why we're the best. Um, but honestly, a little tease here. Carter Mazur, killing it for the University of Denver. We're in the killing A this year for them. So you love dog. to see that. The dog. I was really excited for him in the preseason too. But that's a conversation for tomorrow. Same time, same place. It's your team every day. Every day.